Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Replacement Podcast. Sadly, we're missing Matt tonight, but we've got a replacement, my fellow and former colleague at SportsNot, Chris Phillips, huge Mariners fan. Um, Chris, glad to have you here. Um, please introduce yourself. Well, thank you for having me. This is quite the honor, I gotta say. Um, just name, like you said, Chris Phillips, uh, contributor over at SportsNot right now. Uh, and yes, I've been a big Mariners fan since, uh, boy, like 97, 96, whatever year that Ken Griffey Jr. video game came out for uh, Nintendo 64. That's, you know, that and along with the uh, Ken Griffey Jr. poster I got in a Wheaties box as a kid, I'd say is what really started my fascination and fandom for the Seattle Mariners, and it's just continued ever since. So um, there, I know there's a lot of people out there that are also fans of the Mariners because of Griffey, and why not? So, um, yeah. Yeah, Chris. Um, so my question for you is how did you become a Mariners fan? You mentioned that Ken Griffey Jr. kind of pushed you into the, the that MLB and that Mariners world but was your dad a Mariners fan or was that just Kenny Griffey Jr.? So excuse me so no my dad actually uh, was born in Indiana in Beach Grove Indiana which is a small city just outside of um, just south of Indianapolis but he was actually raised in Long Island New York and is a Mets fan so um, they actually my mom and dad actually ended up moving back to Indiana for for a job um many 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 years ago but um so that's how i was born and raised here in, in indiana and been here all my life so um no no other sort of family connection or anything that you could possibly think of that would you know be like oh that makes sense as to why you became a mariners fan other than the fact that as a child ate wheaties uh for breakfast every morning and you know you had to have that bowl we used to have that strength for the day at least that's what everyone said and uh, they used to give prizes away in, in the cereal boxes. And I happened to get a uh, poster of Ken Griffey Jr. And on the bottom of the poster, it said Kid Dynamite. And in the background, it had an explosion going off with Griffey's, you know, swing. And hung up on my wall and, like, was like, man, that's just a really cool dude right there. So um, that's, like, the, you know, that was the first player that I actually really, really started, like, following. Um, prior to that, I liked Jose Canseco just because I like to say Jose Canseco. Seiko says um you know I don't know where that came from or anything but um but yeah so that's kind of what got all kind of got going for the the west coast sports fandom and everything and then just as I got older you know followed the Mariners a lot longer um you know I can remember I think it was probably the 95 playoff run that the Mariners had maybe it was one of their other playoff runs but I can remember that you know, talking with my dad about the Mariners, and he's like, yeah, they've basically got Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey Jr., Edgar Martinez, and, you know, Jay Buhner, and that's about about it, um, but they're making things happen. So, you know, that kind of makes sense if you weren't really following the team a whole lot. You know, there's a lot more talented players on that roster, but those were kind of the big names, and um, that 95 run to the uh, ALCS was pretty magical, and... Yeah. Yeah, so that's like all of that really just kind of 
is what got me going and following the Seattle Mariners. And, you know, definitely when I tell people I'm a Mariners fans, that that one question that you asked of why and how that comes up frequently. And so, um, yeah, just basically try and tell everybody in a short condensed version that I got a poster of Ken Griffey Jr. from a cereal box. Then I got his video game and that was it. So if you put it in simple terms, you became a Mariners fan because your parents are health nuts, so you had to eat Wheaties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could definitely say that. Uh, you know, the, you know that cliche of better have your Wheaties for the morning and everything, so that way you're you're fired up for the day. So yeah, yeah, I'm loving that. I'm loving that. Listen, I'm I'm an I, I've been Yankees fans for ten years or so, um, yeah. so it's been pretty tough not having that title since 2009 so we're working on it um mm-hmm. you've been around longer than i have so you've seen your team <laughs> play well but i've just seen my team make the playoffs and just collapse in the, in the postseason so i'm looking for more but i'm excited to talk some mariners with you today you guys have had quite this season seattle making moves seattle in the al west and Chris, my question for you is obviously Julio Rodriguez is our AL Rookie of the Year, and I think just as for Seattle fans and especially for yourself, um, is there more to it than just the title Rookie of the Year? How do you think Rodriguez will be impact? Is there perennial talent there? Yes, absolutely. I mean, Julio is going to be the new face of the franchise. I mean, if he isn't already, and he probably is at this point. I mean, there's. I mean, you could ask any any Mariners fan or any baseball fan. Probably the number one person they're going to mention is Julio. So, um, yeah, I'd say he's the face of the franchise already, and I would be surprised if he becomes the face of the MLB in you know maybe as early as next season. I mean, he's he's got he's got everything that ken griffey jr had from back in the day he's got the swagger he's got the charisma he's got that smile he's got that infectious play he's got that kid-like atmosphere of hey i just want to go play baseball and this is awesome i get to play center field i get to hit home runs i get to steal bases Uh, you know i get to wear an MLB Jersey and go from city to city and live a childhood dream. Like he's just, he's got everything that Griffey has. The only thing that really kind of differentiates the two of them is Julio had a better rookie season than Griffey did. Now we, we do need to kind of caveat that with that Griffey came into the majors as a rookie as a 19 year old and Julio did as a 21 year old. So you know, there is that difference and everything like that, just from maturity and age and, you know, overall body physical type and everything like that. But even if you look at their age 21 seasons, Julio still had a better year than Griffey did. So you, it's not entirely blasphemous to say that Julio is already better than Ken Griffey Jr. Now, you know, there, there is that statue of Griffey outside of T-Mobile Park for Ken Griffey. Um, if Julio keeps playing the way he did this rookie year, there will probably be another statue and it'll be Julio that'll be out front. But for, for right now, I would say Julio looks every bit like the franchise cornerstone that the Seattle Mariners are going to build their offense around. I mean, you saw 
with that signing of Teoscar Hernandez to go along with Ty France. I mean, that's a nice one, two, three lineup that the, the M's can roll out now to start with. Um, there's still some more work to be done for their overall lineup, but you know, that's a really good one through three type of hitters and everything for the team to build around. And, you know, the question with Julio now is what can he do for an encore? You know, can he do another 25, 25 type of a season? I think he could, I, I think you're probably going to see his, his steals total start to kind of, dwindle a little bit um, while his home runs increase. But I think part of that's just the fact that the overall game is changing to more of a home run than focusing on stolen bases. But um, yeah, there's nothing in Julio's makeup that says this year was a fluke or anything like that. I mean, he is legit. He's, he is the man and he's going to be probably the number one player that young kids will say is their favorite player. Um, You know, after, probably this upcoming season at the earliest. Yeah, so I actually just pulled up stats. Um, you mentioned that Julio is imaging that Ken Griffey-esque. So actually just, I just pulled up stats on baseball reference. So Griffey's rookie season was kind of similar to what Julio had. Obviously, Julio had more home runs. He had more stolen bases. And the average and the the counting stats were a bit similar, but mm-hmm. as you progress and as you look through his career, everything just goes crazy. All his stats jump, and his home runs increase like crazy. He goes from 16 to 22, 22, 27, 45, 40. And you just see how he adapts and just how he progresses over his career and Ultimately, he becomes Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr., one of the biggest faces in baseball. And just to add on what you said, yesterday, the your M's went and got Mr. Teoscar Hernandez. I think that not only will that impact the middle of the lineup, we know the Mariners have been looking for that middle guy in the lineup. I'm sure that has been a weakness for you guys. Listen, your lineup as of now is Julio, Ty France, Suarez, Raleigh, Hernandez, Winker, Kelnick, Moore, and Crawford. And I think something to note is that if Seattle would bring back Adam Frazier, and if you guys can get him back on track to the season and to the hitting machine that he is, I think this this lineup ties together really nicely. Chris, do you see anything in that bottom of the lineup even without signing Adam Frazier even if the lineup remains as it is with Winker Kelnick Moore and Crawford do you see anything in those guys and how do you think the lineup will perform aside from the top four so I think at this point we kind of know what J.P. Crawford is and what he's going to do. He's going to be a, a decent hitter in terms of average. Um, he'll knock in a few home runs. He'll chip in a couple steals here and there. But he's really more of just a glove-first kind of a, of a player at this point. Like We've seen enough on him. He's. Ne- I don't expect him to ever top 
15 home runs, you know, in a season or, or I should maybe even 20 home runs in the season, um, anything like that. He's just that's not in his makeup or anything um, of that nature. But he, you know, he's going to be a guy that's a clubhouse leader and is going to be a guy that kind of sets a tone for for the team to follow. I mean, that's part of what makes him so valuable to the team is stuff that can't be quantifiable in a stat box or anything like that. So he'll be what he is and which is fine. You know, he's a, he'd be a good number nine hitter um, and, you know, play some solid defense and stuff like that. <clears throat> Cal Raleigh, I think there should be a little more from him in terms of his batting average. I think what you saw with his home runs, I think that's probably going to be about what he does on a yearly basis. Um, you know, and that, that should possibly move him up a little bit in the order. Um, with, with Adam Frazier, you, it might be a split decision from M's fans on whether they want him back or not. He was a real big disappointment. And the only other player that was probably a bigger disappointment was Jesse Winker. Those two guys were brought in to kind of be with Winker is brought in to be the left-handed power bat and what Teoscar Hernandez is now brought to be that, that middle of the lineup guy that can drive in the run. That was what Winker was meant here or brought here to do. And he didn't do that at all. Now he does do a good job of getting on base, which is nothing to, to sneeze at or anything, but in terms of his overall production, it was an epic failure with Frazier. He was a bust as well. But near the end of the season, it, he did start to show some signs of maybe figuring out how the AL was pitching to him and show some signs of productivity. But it was, you know, for his overall numbers, it was too little too late. But he, he was a good good second baseman. Him and Crawford were, were fine at the middle. There's definitely, with the M's, there's definitely a need for them to get an upgrade at second base and to get something more out of left field than what they did last year. Um, you know, De Jerry DePoto talked up Winker as if Winker was going to be a part and they, of the franchise and they still valued him, still want him. But now we're hearing a lot of rumblings that maybe Winker's going to be on his way out. So we'll, we'll see what happens there with him. But right now, the bottom of the order, it needs some more productivity. And I think with some of the players, it's going to be just more experience. Like Cal Raleigh will just get more experience. I think that will help. With other players, such as Winker or Frazier, if Frazier, if they're brought back, that's fine. But I think Frazier's the like plan Z. Like if nothing else goes right, like if they can't sign the top second baseman or they can't trade for an upgrade second base or they can't sign a free agent shortstop and convince him to go play second base, then I think Frazier's that that fallback of like, okay, we tried everything else. It didn't work. Let's go get Frazier. And we know what we have in him. And maybe there'll be a little bit more productivity out of them than what they got last year. But that's, you know, I think that's what they think with Frazier. With Winker, I think there's some hope that maybe this past season was just a fluke and he'll get back to a little bit more of his career norms. But at the same time, he did seem to be a little bit more of a, problem in the clubhouse there were reports that came out after the season ended about how he didn't really prepare for guys he kind of for pitchers or anything like that or games he kind of just showed up and did what he did and you know there's other players like Mitch Haniger who prepared they studied they watched the notes they read the scouting report and you know they went out and you know did everything they could to try and succeed with Winker it was just like 
all right, guys, I'm here. Let's go play some baseball. And so that kind of rubs some players the wrong way. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if with everything that bad happened to Winker and the fact that he was shut down at the end of the year and the Mariners went on to have such great success in the postseason, if maybe that was a bit of a wake-up call of, hey, this team doesn't necessarily need you to succeed. Like, you got to play a lot because you were traded for and because you were a veteran, but your overall production wasn't that great, and it was not anything that should keep you in the lineup full term. You're not that great of a defensive player, so, yeah, you either need to shape up or we'll look to trade you for whatever we can get that hopefully can benefit us. But, um, yeah, I would say the bottom of the lineup, there's a lot of work to be done. So that bottom of the lineup, I do have to agree that does seem some work. But going back to that Teoscar and Endes trade, I kind of just wanted to just add one little thing. I think that was, for you guys, that was kind of like, hey, we have this reliever. We have Eric Swanson. He had, he's been a stud for us guys, so let's package him. Let's, let's give him and Adam Mako. We'll throw him with you guys, and we'll get Teoscar and Endes. Go, go out and get Teoscar, guys. Because, again, for the Mariners, they're looking for that middle-of-the-lineup guy like Teoscar. And from their, from that perspective, being that for the Mariners, your bullpen, I'm not worried that giving up Eric Swanson will hinder the success of the bullpen. I think that... Having Munoz, Castillo, Brash, Murphy, Festa, Flexen, and even Seawald. So I'm not to say that I, I really um really don't think that get rid of Swanson um, impacted the bullpen whatsoever. You did lose out on a big arm, but at the same time you gained a lot getting to Oscar Hernandez, who now it will become a free agent at the end of this year, but if assuming and I'm hoping that you guys are considering making a World Series one, which I'm sure you are, um, I think anything Oscar Hernandez is something that is really key and alluding to the Kyle Lewis and Cooper Hummel trade earlier today. Chris, not so certain as to why you guys went out and got Cooper Hummel. Kyle Lewis. 2020 rookie of the year after that this year he went on a nice streak a little for a little and the end of the year hitting 143 so i think it was time to move on for him but going out and getting a guy like cooper hummel it's a little intriguing and it's a little concerning so chris what are your thoughts on this yeah, uh, I agree with what you're saying. Going back to the Tasker Hernandez, I think that's a great move for them. Uh, he definitely fills a need that they have, um, and I would, I would say that probably the the acquisition of Hernandez probably shuts the door on the Mariners bringing back Mitch Haniger. The only reason I say it probably is because when. The Mariners didn't extend Haniger a qualifying offer. Depoto did say they hope to bring back. Hanager at a lesser rate than that qualifying offer and that qualifying offer was over 19 million um so you know 
if they want to bring him back at less than 19, the fact that he's injury prone a lot, there's a small chance that it could happen. Uh, I'm not putting a lot into that, but um, yeah, I love the Teoscar Hernandez signing. I think that's a great move for them. And I think he's going to fit in well with the clubhouse and the locker room. I mean, he seems to be a fun loving guy that enjoys to play the game, enjoys his teammates. And I think that's going to go well with Julio and his whole attitude. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the two of them are on a lot of uh, upcoming gifts and memes of, of the two of them just clowning around in the dugout and on the field and everything. Um, but yeah, Cooper Hummel for for uh, former rookie of the year Kyle Lewis. Um, yeah, that's a head scratcher for sure. Um, I mean, like you said, Kyle Lewis won rookie of the year in 2020. That's nothing to you know be to discredit him or anything like that. Like that's an accomplishment. Now he did do it in 60 games. Um, you know, that's basically two months of a normal MLB season and kind of at the end of those 60 games, he was starting to fade a little bit. At least his numbers were showing that. Now the question was, or the question that was asked at the time was, is he going into a slump? Have the pitchers figured him out? Um, is he kind of fatigued since he, you know, hadn't played a whole lot prior to that because of the big time knee injuries that he sustained, you know, it could be a little bit of all of that. We, we just don't know. Unfortunately, with with Seattle, he's mainly just not been healthy a lot. Um, you saw in 2020, when he is healthy, when he is right, he is an impact player. He's definitely a guy that can play center field at the major league level, and he can hit at the major league level. The, the problem is just health. Um, so, you know, for him, the hope is that he can go to Arizona, find some health there and play. I mean, he could be a very good player for the Diamondbacks and there, I'd be shocked if there was any Mariners fan out there that had any ill will towards Kyle Lewis going out to, to Arizona or anything. I think a lot of fans really liked him. Um, you know, he did have another one of those infectious smiles and being happy and everything, kind of like Julio. Um, so it's it's just head-scratching because Cooper Hummel hasn't really gotten a lot of playing time in Arizona, and when he has played, it's not been very good. So why are we trading somebody that, you know, has rookie of the year level abilities in him for exactly. a guy that, you know, hasn't been able to put anything together? Uh, you it's know, like, what are you getting out of it? You're not getting anything out of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, the one thing that I'd say that you're probably getting out of it, or I guess the two things that you're probably getting out of it, is that Cooper Hummel seems to be a little bit healthier. At least he hasn't missed nearly as much time as Kyle Lewis has. And Cooper Hummel does have experience catcher. Um, so that is something that could give the Mariners a little bit more roster flexibility. And I would say that's probably one thing that both – Jerry Depoto and Scott Service like is is roster flexibility, being able to move guys around and put them in positions, you know, to help the team succeed, but also not positions that they're uncomfortable in. You know, having a player like Adam Frazier was nice because he could play second base, he could also play left field. Um, Ty France is their first baseman, but he does have past experience playing second and third base as well. Then you have their utility guys like Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty that can play in the outfield along with a couple middle infield positions too. So that was all valuable for the roster as we saw how the Mariners um, played out last season when Jesse Winker was hurt and eventually put on 
the injured list. You know, they were putting Haggerty out in left field and until he got hurt. Then it was a rotation of Dylan Moore and Taylor Trammell and Jared Kelnick when he finally got called up. So having guys that can play multiple positions, it, it's beneficial for the Amps to be able to move people around because the Mariners are one of the few teams that um, – or I, I guess I shouldn't say one of the few teams, but they are one of the teams that doesn't want to have someone be a full-time designated hitter. They want to use that DH spot to give guys breathers um, as opposed to necessarily just giving them full days off. They want to be able to say, hey, Julio, we're going to pull you out of center field, but you're still going to bat. You just, you know, you're not going to play center field. And then maybe tomorrow we'll give you a day off or, you know, maybe you'll have a day off the next week, something like that. But we gave you a couple of days to DH, just kind of rest your legs a little bit. Um, so that's what they want to do. So having Cooper Hummel who can play in the outfield can also go back behind the plate. It, it, it is valuable. I mean, the, the other thing with this deal is that last season, Cal, Cal Raleigh started the, started the year with the big club. Um, he didn't produce, so they eventually sent him down to AAA, and he got on track and then came back up once Tom Murphy got injured, and that injury led him to missing the rest of the season. Um, they, you know, The Mariners were basically rolling with Luis Torrens and Cal Raleigh for a while, and then Raleigh finally started to take off, and the rest is history. Now, with that being said, Raleigh didn't miss a single game game like the last i don't know few weeks of the season and even in the playoffs he had a um torn ligament i think in his thumb um so it really made it difficult for him to swing the bat and kind of be able to to drive the ball or anything like that so i mean the guy was basically catching every inning for the ball club with you know only nine or i guess four fingers on his on his one hand um you know and it kind of showed a little bit in, in his production in the playoffs. He wasn't quite as good as you know he had been. Um, so having somebody like Cooper Hummel on the roster who can also play catcher, um, but also you know play another position uh, and play it adequately, that is beneficial. Um, Terenz played some first base in 2021 and played some third base, and he, he's okay. You know, I mean, that's that's it. he's he's all right. He's mainly a catcher, and that's kind of about it. So I think that might getting Hummel and his position flexibility, I think is another small reason why they made the trade, but, but those are, that's about it. I can say so why, why they would make that deal. Cause it, it really just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, that versatility and the ability and that you guys can just platoon him in the outfield or he can play catcher. I think that's definitely, to, to be taken into consideration, but I, I kind of want I kind of wanted to shift the focus into an aspect of this Mariners team, which I envy. Kind of, I'm kind of jealous that you guys have such a deep and prestigious rotation, and being <laughs> that the Yankees and my Yankees have slowly begun to pitch well from a rotation standpoint. I'm looking at this Mariners rotation right now, Castillo, Gilbert, Robbie Ray, and potentially George Kirby and Marco Gonzalez. I think from where we stand right now and from how they've shown out in the past few years, if you can get those fourth and five guys on track, if you can 
bolster George Kirby and Marco Gonzalez if you can set them up. And if Robbie Ray, Castillo, and Gilbert keep up what they're doing, there is no – and I, 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 when I say this, I'm, I mean it truly. I think there is no concern. And I think you guys have a top rotation in baseball. And I think it's definitely a fear factor, especially in the postseason. We've seen how essential pitching is when it comes to the postseason, and we've seen how critical it is to get through those big moments and to come through when it means most. So if you if you guys really work on those four or five guys, if Kirby and Marco Gonzalez can keep up what they're doing, obviously – George Kirby is homegrown. At one point, he was ranked fourth on the Mariners prospect list on LV.com. But I'm excited for this Mariners roster. And I I don't think that there's any moves that need to be made. I think from a bullpen standpoint, there is one or two additions. I mean, I think you guys, it, it's definitely beneficial to check in on a few guys. You lost out on Swanson. He's gone. I do think that that you guys can use an inning eater, per se, maybe Chris Martin, Chad Green, or even Michael Fulmer. Considering that you lost Swanson, and you do have Chris Flexen, who threw 137 innings this year. He is kind of that guy who you turn to in the middle of the innings. You also, you guys rely heavily on Penn Murphy as well. But I do, st- I do still believe that getting that, that guy who you can rely on to go four or five innings. I personally love Chad Green because mm-hmm. I'm a Yankees fan. So I have to love Chad Green because he's <laughs> Chad Green. And <laughs> coming off Tommy John, I think he's definitely some, something to check in. But Tris, what do you think? Do you think, that getting that long reliever because you guys have those back end guys, you guys have those mm-hmm. those guys who come in and shut things down. You have Seawall, Munoz, Castillo, and Brash. So, from a bullpen standpoint, and I also want you to analyze your rotation and do you think there's any additions that need to be made? Yeah. So one through four of, and it, it would be in this order for a rotation of Luis Castillo, um, Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, George Kirby. Um, that's the top four. I mean, that that one through four, I'd love to see another major league team stack up against it and say that they're better. I mean, those guys, those guys are studs right there. It, it's the jealous point for every other franchise out there. They want to have that and want to have the question of like, who can get to be the fifth guy because we've got one through four on lock. I mean, if you look at the Mariners postseason roster, Marco Gonzalez was left off and he was there up until this last year. He was their opening day starter and their best pitcher. Um, now with that being said, Marco Gonzalez in a normal rotation is probably at best a team's number three, probably more like a four or five, somewhere in there. But I mean, to have somebody who went to Gonzaga, which is located in, in the state of Washington and play for that same state's big ball club, 
to be left off the postseason roster, it kind of says a lot. Um, you know, it, it just it was when the world when the wild card series started and team wasn't on there, it, it made sense because it was a short series. So it's like okay, you know, three game series at most. Like you, you're going Gilbert, Castillo, Ray. And that's probably about it in terms of starters. So how many, you know, how many starting pitchers do you do you really need? You have Kirby coming out of the pen to be that long reliever, um, you know. So it did make sense. Now, when you went to the ALDS against the Astros and you still left off, that's where it was like, okay, I think this is kind of the organization letting Marco know that, hey, we love you, you're valuable to the team, but your days of being one of our go-to guys in the top of the rotation are probably done. You probably are at best the number five starter on this roster. Um, if you make it, I mean, there, there's a lot of fans that are talking about wanting to trade Marco for filling another need, whether that need be a new left fielder, being somebody in the bullpen now that Swanson is gone um, or being an upgrade second base. And even all that applies to Chris Flexen as well. Now, Flexen ended the year in the bullpen um, after the Castile trade, and he he did pretty well out of there. I mean, he's definitely a guy that uh, found some comfort in being what the team needed him to be, which was that innings eater guy that said, you know, a starter, they could have a, a starter go short, or they could have a bullpen guy or an opener, and then he could come in and throw four or five innings, and then they turn it over to, to that vaunted bullpen that the Mariners have. Um, but he, he kind of embraced it. He did fine with it. He definitely wants to be back in the rotation. I think the fact that he had such great success in 21, um, he didn't quite have it again this past year, but I think that success he had in 21, I think that kind of fuels him um, along with being you know, kicked to the pen at the end of the season once the team got Luis Castillo in that trade. Uh, I think that fuels him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he really competes for that fifth spot. Um, again, that's if he's still on the roster. If you're looking at those six guys of Robbie Ray, Gilbert, Kirby, Castillo, and then Gonzalez and Flexen, I would not be surprised if Gonzalez and Flexen are traded away um, to to bolster some team needs somewhere else, or maybe even to you know help replenish the farm system. Um, let's be honest, the Mariners traded away a lot of their top farm talent to to Cincinnati um, to get Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez and Luis Castillo. So uh, they still got a good farm system, there's no question. But you know they, it could use some some um, additions after all of what they've what they spent to help make this big league roster that much better. Um, Luis Castillo is the ace of the staff. There's no question. I mean, just look what he did when he came over. He was dominant, and then he just lit up everybody in the postseason. And he's going to be the team's opening day starter for this upcoming year. He's going to be the guy that is there. If they're in a losing streak, he's going to be the stopper, you know, that says, okay, you know, we had some rough innings, some rough games. It all ends here. I'm putting the team on my shoulders. I'm giving you seven strong innings of zero hits, one hits maybe, um, and no runs. And, you know, all you guys got to do is you got to give me two runs, maybe one, and I got it from there. Like, that's that's what Castillo is going to do for this team, uh, especially with that bullpen. Um, you did mention Matt Brash being that pen. There is some talk about – Brash potentially getting another shot to go back into the rotation. He started the season as the team's fifth 
fifth starter and his lack of control is ultimately what cost him and the reason why he was sent down the guy has some nasty stuff i mean he's got some very very nasty breaking pitches that he throws up there um i mean if you if you're a follower of pitch ninja on twitter um <laughs> i just got featured on the yeah, Brash got featured on there f- several times because of his nasty breaking pitches. Um, so he's got the stuff to to pitch at the major league level. The question with him is just control, if he can harness it. Um, if he can do that and do it successfully, he could be in the rotation. He could be that fifth guy and just be another big-time strikeout artist for them. I-, I think right now, I think what we see from Brash is his floor for the MLB League MLB level is being a relief pitcher um, and probably a guy that is like like the the new the what I'll call the fireman the guy that needs to come in and get the tough outs um, that's in a tough situation with the game on the line not necessarily like a save like the ninth inning but you know if it's the sixth or seventh inning your team is up a run or two and the time run is either at the plate or is in scoring position and the starter's been struggling you you make the call of the pen you bring this guy in he just puts out that that fire you know he gets out of the inning with no no damage done um i think that's something that brash can have um in his in his abilities if he can't be a starter if he can get his control i think he's this ml major league starter um he's really talented and he showed it last year or this past season when when he was pitching from the pen he's got the stuff he's got the mentality it's just a matter of can he have control and throw the ball where he needs it to go to get guys to you know strike out or to hit into double plays or to make outs and basically not not score any runs or anything like that so um it'll be interesting to see what he does this offseason and how he goes into into spring training um the rest of that pen i mean munoz he's gonna be the team's closer going forward who's gonna be the the setup man um it it could be brash i mean that would be a really nasty Yeah, I mean, Seawald's definitely in there. Uh, personally, I, I think Seawald, I, I think 2021 was a magical season for him. I think either this past year, he's the the, the rest of the major league figured him out, maybe, and that's why he kind of struggled and he wasn't quite as, as dominant as he was in 2021. Or maybe just, you know, he's... You know, he just had a great season and that was it, you know. And so what we saw this past year is what he's going to be, which is it's still a really good player, but it's not, you know, not anybody that should be closing games out. Munoz should be the guy um, who you have pitching in the eighth or getting to Munoz. I think that could be a handful of different players. Um, the biggest thing with Eric Swanson was that he was a right-handed pitcher that was so good against left-handed hitters, um, which – only only leads to the baffling decision from service to bring in Robbie Ray against Jordan Alvarez uh, in game one of the yes, but that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, that still still hurts a little bit, <laughs> but yeah, they, yeah, that 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 bullpen it, it's it looks good. I mean, the thing, yeah, the thing is with with relief pitchers is they they aren't consistent from year to year, so you know. While Swanson was great, it wouldn't be shocking if this upcoming season he wasn't as good or maybe he got better. I don't know. But just relievers don't seem to be consistently reliable from year over year um, in terms of their their production. So you mentioned reliability 
and mm -hmm. the fact that nowadays bullpen bullpen guys are quite unpredictable. You never know what type of season it has. That kind of alludes to what the Astros just did with Rafael Montero. Listen, he had a great yeah. season, and that's kind of telling him, like, hey, you had a nice season. Let's sign you to a three-year, $30 million deal. Like, if you take a look at his at his history, and mm -hmm. if you take a look at the previous years, he bounced around. He, New York signed him. The Mets signed him back in 2011. He bounced around from New York. Then he went to Seattle for a bit. I think actually he was – Played for guys for a little bit, and yeah, yeah, last season and was awful. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not certain that that was the smartest move. I think from Montero's standpoint, he did have a great season, but I don't think it's worthy of stapling him for three years, not knowing the outcome and not knowing where he'll rank in terms of their performance and how well he does for the Astros for the next three years. So I just kind of want to add to that. And also you mentioned pairing up Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen and potential trade pieces coming into this offseason. I do think that it definitely is a smart move. I think there is some flaws in this roster and in this lineup, especially second base, if they don't bring back, Adam Frazier. I'm guessing that Dylan Moore is not your permanent second baseman. So Gene Segura, Cesar Hernandez, Jonathan DR, Hans Arbroto, and Chris Owings. Those are the guys you want to look at. Gene Segura, he declined his team. The team, the Phillies declined his the team club option, which cleared him for free agency. He's a guy who can do everything. He's a veteran. He's a vet. He, he's a bat. He hit 277. He, the guy gets on base for days. And defensively, we know and we've seen, especially in the playoffs, what he can accomplish on the field. His glove is electric, and uh, he can cover pretty much the entire vicinity around second base. And with the new establishment of these new codes and all that stuff with the new MLB and with the new MLB laws and all that garbage that they're implementing next season. Nope. No more shift. Uh, no more shift. Joe Gal is going to be a stud next year. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Joey Gallo, yeah. Cody Bellinger, all those guys, they'll all be hitting 340 with 80, with 50 or runs <laughs> in the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I do think it's funny, again, that teams kind of jump out quickly before they've seen more. And after one solid season for Montero, teams kind of go crazy and the Astros went crazy. Um, but Chris – before we wrap up next season, what are we looking at from your M's? Yeah, so the M's, I mean, right now they, they've they come out and they have said that they want to spend money this free agency. They want to really build off of what they did uh, this this in this 22 season. So 
so far they are backing up their their words you know the taskers hernandez trade um is one piece um they definitely need to get a better second baseman uh, I, I don't I, like I said earlier. I think Frazier is a possible plan option for them. I don't think he's like their number one option. I don't even know if he's like their number five option. Um, you know, you mentioned Segura. I think Segura could be a good fit for them. He, he did have some experience in playing in Seattle as well. Um, but really, what the M's are looking to do is probably just fill their three, four. Well, now maybe like four biggest needs, which is getting somebody to play left field um if that's winker getting his head back on and you know being productive if that's jared kelnick finally delivering on all that hype that made him such a highly touted prospect oh um i mean there's no more shift so maybe he's another one of those guys that you know is hitting 80 bombs or you know whatever <laughs> um you know, but something, some they need some production from left field. Um, they need production from second base. They could use a fifth starter. Uh, you know, that's definitely another another area. And then losing Swanson, he's not a critical piece to the bullpen or anything like that. But his ability to be that, you know, left-handed um, kind of specialist. You know, it is it that is something that um, teams still need and everything like that. So, I mean, he was good against right-handed hitters and he was really good against left-handed hitters, and that that is something that shouldn't go overlooked. So, with the loss of him, they do need somebody that can get those left-handed hitters out um, coming out of the pen. You know, if it's a lefty, great. Uh, I think right now, looking at their their pen, almost all of their relievers maybe. Maybe one um, is all right-handed, so maybe having a left-handed reliever would be nice. Um, and kind of piggybacking off off of lefties, their their lineup is pretty right-handed um, dominant. So having another lefty in there, even a, a switch hitter, um, could be could be helpful as well. But um, you know, those are kind of the, the areas of need for them. I don't want to go so far to say that the Mariners should be the favorites for the division. Um, we still got to wait and see how the rest of this, you know, free agency plays out and also see what those, um, those guys down in Texas who just won the world series, who will not be named um, do with their off season, what their needs are too. But the Mariners should definitely be one of the teams picked to compete for winning the AL West should be, back in the playoffs next year um, and should hopefully be one of the teams that's, you know, hosting um, a, a playoff game being, being the home, the, uh, the uh, home team. But um, you know, everything that this franchise under Jerry DePoto's watch, um, everything that he said that he wants to have them do, they, they're currently doing, I mean, they're, they tore it all down. They built it back up. They've got a great farm system. They broke that, playoff drop they're in the playoffs and i think they're going to be another team that is going to be a perennial playoff team um and you know maybe maybe things break just right maybe they'll win their first world series at some point in, in, you know in the next i don't know maybe maybe five years or something like that um but this is definitely a team on the rise a team that more more people who follow baseball should be paying attention to and saying, hey, these guys aren't 
a joke anymore. These guys are legit. They've got it in gear. Um, and hopefully that will also help with some more free agents wanting to come and play out in the Pacific Northwest. And listen, just to give you guys, you Meredith's friends, keep a peace of mind. And regardless of how free agency shakes out, we're rooting for you guys. <laughs> Beat them, Strohs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this. Um, I hope we can still be friends if the Mariners go out and sign Aaron oh Judge. I mean, <laughs> we know Listen, I'm never letting you in my podcast again. Just know that. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. It's been fun. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. It's been fun uh, welcoming Chris to the podcast. We'll definitely have him for another episode or two whenever this free agency and depending on how the Mariners re- re- respond to their needs and what Scott Servais has and his blueprints for the next Mariner season. Uh, Chris, it was nice welcoming you, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you.